It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, so we are live here for our show. And I'm going to be bringing you in uh, one guest today. Usually we do two, but today we decided just to slow it down and, and go deep with just one guest today. You know, in case this is the first time you happen to be tuning in, you know, what the show's really about is having a great conversation with one or two guests and taking the things that we can learn from inspiring leaders and people that are thinking about talent and culture and all the stuff that I love to talk about and think about and try to get some more information from them, right? To have that conversation that you get to kind of peer into. And then if you want to be a part of the conversation as well, you can join us on Twitter and tweet questions live. We always live tweet this. And if you're getting the show after the fact, like most people do, happy to keep the conversation going there as well. So, you know, we've amassed over about 10,000 people a day or downloading a show or more uh, through iTunes or on our website, talenttalkradio.com. Many of you listen to us on iHeartRadio or on different affiliates. And thank you so much for being a part of the show. Really, when I started this a few years ago, it was just something for fun to see what would happen. And had so many amazing guests, and I've turned that into a book, The Power of Company Culture. Feel free to check that out on Amazon or wherever you buy books or from the publisher, Kogan Page. Uh, love to have you take a look at that book and learn some of the lessons, the best lessons that we've picked up over the last four or five years. Um, as I mentioned, we have uh, one guest here today. We're going to bring in Jay Matter, the CEO uh, of People Link Group. Um, again, if you have questions for him, if maybe I'm not hitting that question you hoped I would ask, please make sure you tweet us at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag Talent Talk. My producer, Mike, is diligently live tweeting this as we go along. So he'd love to get any questions there and feed them over to me. But Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, hello, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. My pleasure. And why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what's important for us to know for the purposes of this uh, conversation. And, of course, tell us more about what you're doing at People Eight Group and uh, all the cool things you guys are involved in over there. Well, there's a lot going on here. Um, let me start. I, I am uh, I'm an, a, a native to Indiana. Now, for, you know, for those people that don't, that don't know, we're not Indianians. We are Hoosiers. Now, I can't explain why we're called Hoosiers. Um, I know there are some theories, which I won't go into. I mean, if people can Google that, there's a lot of silly theories. But, but I'm certainly a Hoosier, born and raised in uh, in Indiana, in the northern part of the state. I grew up in a in a town uh, uh, in uh, northern Indiana, Wabash, Indiana. Wabash is uh, probably nobody's ever heard of this little town. Uh, Fifteen thousand people strong in population. The one claim to fame for Wabash is they were the first electrically lighted 
city in the world. Yes, that's right. You can Google that and look that up. And other than that, there's not much to say about growing up in Wabash. Um, I will say that, you know, going to high school there in, in Wabash, well, any high school, I, I'm sure people can relate. You're either, at least for guys anyway, I'm going to speak to the guys for a second now. You know, you're either a, a sports guy, which, you know, we, we're, we're the jocks. Again, the millennials probably wonder, what is a jock? That's, a, that's somebody that's into sports, right, Chris? So you're either into sports, you know, you play all the sports and you have the letter jacket, or you're not. I mean, that's, that was basically the two choices for guys in high, for high, at high school when I attended. I was not, so I decided to go all out. I, was, I played trumpet in the band and, you know, played in the uh, marching band and, and uh, in the uh, orchestra and uh, the jazz band. And if there was a band, I played in it. So that, that uh, fortunately, even though I didn't, you know, letter in sports, I didn't get a sports scholarship, but I did get a music scholarship, um, performance scholarship, and I went to Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. People probably are familiar with, with Ball State, a rather large uh, state university here. And uh, but about halfway into in my into my second year, um, you know, I was I was majoring in um, performance, music performance. Uh, you know, I started having people, you know senior people to me saying, well, you know, you really need to think about this performance degree, music performance degree. I mean, where do you go to get a job with that? You know, you, that, that's not very practical, and you've you got to have, have a better plan. You know, you can still play your music, but you don't have to have a degree. You should really think about doing something. You should really think about getting into business. So, you know, I heard that and heard that and heard that, and finally, I, you know, I, I, I melted to, that, uh, to all that pressure, and I ended up saying, well, saying to myself, well, I'll take a couple business classes, you know, and and I took a uh, I took a market introduction to marketing, and I thought, hey, this is really interesting. I really like this. This is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so I ended up uh, switching my major from from music to business management, and, and actually got a degree in, in marketing. The, the good news was, you know, I'd finally found my calling. You know, I, I felt like marketing and business was my calling. The bad news was. I didn't have a scholarship, um, so the scholarship went away. I had a full full scholarship on, in 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 music performance, and, and of course, when I switched majors, that 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 didn't come with it. And so I had to I had to step out of school for a while because I was paying my own way, and you know, and, and again, other than my expenses, I didn't have any cost for attending the university. So I left and, and went to work and and uh, got into um, the consumer finance and banking industry. I eventually went back to Indiana University, by the way, and, and finished my degree while I was working full time. But got into uh, consumer finance and uh, and banking, uh, consumer and commercial banking, and uh, you know that that was very interesting. I spent a few years doing that, and and then uh, uh, I was at a place in in my career uh, w that sort of uh, hit a trajectory with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, who were all kind of in the same places in their careers at that point in time. We all sat down and said, you know, we. We, we need to we need to do something. We need to we need to start a business. We need to do, to do something together. We didn't know what that something was. Um, you know, we we'd all worked in the corporate world and and had never been entrepreneurs and and never started a business. And we thought, well, maybe it's this was in 1987. We thought maybe it's dangerous to start a business. You know, I mean, we, you know, because we don't even know what we, want, what we want to do. Maybe what we should do is look for something to acquire. Let's get, let's get a let's get a head start. Let's see if we can find a business to acquire. So, we looked at a lot of different things. Um, the 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 some of the criteria that we that we you know laid out was well we really don't want to have to have inventory because that costs 
So that, that ruled out retail, and we really don't want to make stuff, you know, because that's pretty complicated. So that ruled out manufacturing, and really all we were left with was, well, we know we want some kind of a service business. Uh, we're, not, we're not doctors, so we can't be doctors. We're not lawyers. We can't be lawyers. We're not accountants. We can't be accountants. But there's still a lot of service-type businesses. Well, we ended up finding an executive search firm in Elkhart, Indiana, that was for sale. And uh, we acquired that business, and interestingly enough, a house came with it. That, that, was, that was our home office. It was actually a, a home on, uh, on 4th Street in Elkhart, Indiana. And so that's how, that's how PeopleLink got its start. And, and actually, as I said, we, it was an executive search firm. We were, we were not doing any temporary or contingent staffing at the time, and, and uh, we sort of morphed into that. And, uh, the PeopleLink group is a 100% of contingent and direct hire staffing firm, so we are in the, we are in the temporary help business uh, with both feet, but we started out thinking we were going to be, you know, an executive search firm, um, and then, and then uh, you know, the, the, the economy at the time and the market at the time was in great need of contingent employees, and we sensed that need and, and stepped into that and, and uh, ha- have grown the business ever since. The, a little bit about PeopleLink Group. Um, again, we started as one office uh, at, back there in Elkhart, Indiana. We grew it organically over a number of years um, and then started making some real small, you know, kind of dipped our toe into the acquisition world, made a few real small acquisitions, you know, things we could tuck into the business. And then as we continued to grow and, and have access to to more funds and, and uh, more capital, um, you know, we made larger acquisitions. Um, we then partnered with a uh, $2 billion staffing firm headquartered in France in 2011, which brought us even more, you know, opportun- uh, availability of capital and, and potential for opportunity for growth through acquisitions. And we've made some very significant acquisitions over the last seven years uh, as, as a result of that partnership. and. Um, so we find ourselves today uh, squarely in the staffing business. People Inc. Groups provides contingent and direct hire staffing and, and unskilled labor, skilled labor, uh, IT professionals, uh, clerical and administrative folks, commercial construction. Uh, you name it, uh, we're, we we provide that kind of that kind of labor. So it, it's been a well, great it, ride. Um, but we're it sounds like it. you're we're doing a lot of stuff there, Jay. I mean, you guys are kind of in a Really big area, and it makes sense because you've been at this since 1987, I believe, which is sort of unheard of in today's business environment. You know, a lot of people go from one job to the next. Maybe you might have sold the business, things like that, but you really stuck with it for a long time. Maybe you could talk about what is it that's kind of kept you wanting to remain in this capacity and with your company for so long. Is it success? Has it been the type of work? What's kind of kept you there since, you know, for so long? That's a, that's a really good question, Chris. I think the way I would answer that is certainly it was the, it's the opportunity for continued, you know, the, the, the opportunity to continue to grow and pursue success and, and grow your business. But the real thing I think that, that's, that's allowed me to stay in this for you know, now going on 31 years, and, and this tends to be, as in, you know, in my research and, and, you know, having read far and wide about entrepreneurs that make it and those that don't, the vast majority of, of startups or, or, you know, new businesses that don't make it, I, I want to say that's like 95% of all businesses in the first five years fail, something, something astronomical like that. But we've been able to, st- I've been able to stay at this because we've, we've recognized that, 
you know, there are different stages of growth for a company, and, and we've recognized those stages of growth and have been able to embrace that, you know, and, and make that change. I mean, it's kind of like driving down the road, and, and, you, at a, and you come to the stop sign, and there's a fork in the road. You, you know, the, the road dead ends. You either have to turn left or turn right, and some people are so scared, maybe they turn around and go back. But we've always been able to, to, to make the turn, whether it was left or right, recognize that we're at the next level of growth and be able to, uh, you know, to capitalize on that. And that's really been, you know, we, 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 that, that's been the key, I guess. We started out as, you know, entrepreneurs doing everything, right, writing checks and paying the bills and doing everything. And then from that, you morph into, you know, hiring one person to, to help do something. And then before you know it, you've got a, a, a group of managers that help you. And, you know, you, you just you follow that path of growth. But if you can, if you can identify those stages of growth and, and be able to make that change on the fly, um, you know, I, I would say that's that's what's kept us alive for 31 years, and, and we expect to be at this another 31 years. Well, that's really great. And, you know, I, people maybe don't realize, especially it's one thing if you're a Coca-Cola or McDonald's or something, right, to weather through different economic changes and recessions and booms and busts and all that. But, you know, for, for every, all other kind of business sizes, I think it's pretty remarkable when uh, businesses can can kind of go through all those different uh, iterations of our economy and 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 come out on top. So that's certainly a, a hats off to you guys. Um, one of the things I was sort of curious, kind of given you know, your long tenure, um, I know sometimes I need new I need new and fresh things to keep me motivated as a leader. Maybe what 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 do you do to kind of keep yourself challenged as a leader? Where you know, where do you go to find inspiration and and to not get kind of stuck in a rut? Well, fortunately, I have uh, I have some I have people <laughs> that, that challenge me. Uh, I have an outstanding executive management team here, and you know I've been very deliberate about looking for people. I didn't want people who would just agree with me, you know. And that that that, that was a personal that was a journey that I had to to you know uh, how should I say that a threshold I had to cross, you know, because that's that's difficult to openly say to yourself, I'm looking for people who will challenge me, who will say no or say that's stupid or have you thought that through or what's wrong with you, right? So, Chris, I, you know, I, that's, that, I've, that's been a, a part of my plan is to bring executive level te- a team in here that, that isn't going to say yes and isn't going to agree with everything, every wild and crazy scheme I come up with. So really, first and foremost, you know, the way I keep fresh and keep challenged is by my, you know, the team that I've got here. That, that really, that, that's really the key. And I think beyond that, then it's a matter of just looking around and seeing what's going on, going on around you. I mean, it, and it doesn't have to be just within your industry. Now, we belong to all the, you know, the major staffing uh, associations, and I... I recognize you've had some some past people from from our industry. Scott Wintrip, I know he's he's been on not too long ago. He's a very prominent uh, uh, player in our industry. But but the, that's the other thing is just not just looking within your industry to see what's new, but looking around at you know what are other folks outside of your industry are doing. What 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 do you see happening that you could say, hey, I wonder if we could, you know, what's the message there for us? I wonder if we could turn that into something here. I mean, is there is is that a, is that an innovation maybe we could we could capitalize on? Um, so you know I think it's just being it's be, it's just and maybe what I'm saying in both of those things it's it's being open to to being challenged to to let in new ideas you know to not think that hey I've you know I've been at this 31 years I have all the answers well I know I don't. Yeah, and and I think you bring up two great points. You know, it's about trusting your people, being able to 
uh, have people that will speak up and argue with you and, and be able to leverage, you know, their, what they're good at and make that a part of what you're doing. You know, maybe what are some of the ex- expectations you have of your employees beyond, you know, being able to speak up and disagree with you? Uh, and what do you do to kind of maintain the corporate culture at the level that kind of meets your high standards? Um, you know, uh, I know sometimes it, it's good to have a, a base, but for as long as you guys have, have been going, how do you keep your culture fresh and vibrant and, and, and really uh, working for the next set of employees that are coming in the door? Yeah, that's that's probably one of the hardest things, really. That that is a challenge. That is a daily, if not hourly, challenge to, uh, you know, to, to number one to recognize that you you have to manage your culture. I mean, it's it's it just doesn't happen to you. You you you're the one that you know determines what the culture of your company is going to be or isn't going to be by what you say and what you do and you know everything that you everything that happens. And that's, so that is a real challenge, but I, you know, it, it's it's what, what we're looking for. And this this the culture of this company is we we look for very in, highly independent people who are willing to take initiative. Um, you know, there's no you know you you don't get your hand slapped here if you uh, you know if you reach out and and try something if it doesn't work. The way we look at it is well, you made a mistake. What did, my question is not so much um, you know why did you make that mistake, but what 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 did you learn from it? What are we going to do differently now? That what, what did we learn doesn't work, and how do we make sure that we you know that we incorporate that into let's not go down that road again. So we're looking very you know the culture supports people who are have a high level of initiative and are, are very independent, but yet can still work together. And um, you know those those folks who are are interested in you know passionate about what we're trying to accomplish here, you know our our objective is to we we want to put everybody we want to put everybody to work that wants to work. I mean it's just that simple. So we're looking for people that can share that passion and 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 you know want to uh, come we'll get up every day and come to work and try to accomplish that. And that that's really that's the essence of the culture of the company is you know we we've got we've got something big we want to accomplish and it's going to take big thinkers and big doers to be able to do that. With uh, Jay Mattern, uh, CEO of PeopleLink Group, we're going to take a quick commercial break here, and we're going to come back, ask a few more questions, and then wrap up the show. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Okay, we're uh, back with Jay Matter, CEO of People Inc. Group. And don't forget, you can join the conversation on Twitter. Uh, just tweet us at PeopleG2. Use a hashtag, Talent Talk, all one word. And we're actively watching for those tweets and we'll certainly work any questions in or respond after the show with uh anything else that may come up would love to have all the interaction there so uh we were just sort of talking through culture and uh some of the things that jay is doing 
um, over there, uh, sort of recognizing that this is an issue for them that they really have to work at. And you know, one of the things that we say that companies either do a really good job with or they really struggle with is re is recognizing the achievements of their employees. And it's, it's easy to sometimes recognize your top salesperson. Sometimes it's easy to recognize that person who's pretty open and, and boisterous about their achievements. But to recognize all of the people that really deserve it at the right times. We have people that are shy, that are introverted, that are, don't brag about their, what they've done. I mean, we have sort of run the gamut of types of people in, in our organization. So what are some of the things you guys do to make sure you're recognizing your employees, you're rewarding them the right ways, and, and keeping them motivated? Sure. Well, that that's uh, to me. It's the you know you've got of course the the recognition things that everybody has. I guess you know the the you know your your how you're compensated and and those you know the 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 feedback you get in your reviews and all of those things. If you can call that you know there's certainly something to be said there for recognition. But I, but I think it I think where where you make the difference is not in those those you know more traditional things that are, that are that everybody company does, but it's in the little things. For instance, we have a um, we have a, uh, a company newsletter that publishes every other month, and, and you know we collect um, little you know tidbits from you know each regional manager on what, what's something outstanding that one of your some of your folks did or one person did in particular. Or we just collect those things and then we feed those back every two months. It, it's we, we highlight those in the in the newsletter. I write a weekly letter to every single employee. We have five almost six hundred almost six hundred employees in this in this organization. And every week, I write a letter, a letter from the CEO to every single person in the company. And and I, and once again, I highlight things that I have heard or things that people have told me that you know someone has done that's, that's gone over and above. Uh, you know, so we feed that back to people. We have a, a, a something we call our kudos pad. It's a little notepad. It's about the size of a you know the. For folks you, like you and me, Chris, you remember the old pink uh, tele while you were out telephone pads, right? Right. <laughs> the, youngster, the young people may not, may not know what that is, but just a small uh, little note uh, pad that um, is, has kudos across the top, and then it has various categories where, where people can write in the person's name and the date and what, is, what it is that they did and you know, what that meant to them. And we, we have fun writing those, and people will write those and uh, you know, wait till everybody leaves and then go put it on their desk you know, after they've gone. And so when they come in in the morning, they, they have a kudos note. And so, so it's the little things like that. It's, it's, in some cases, it's spontaneous. You can't, you can't build it in. But in other cases, it's just—it's simply, I guess, the answer to the question, Chris, is it's, it's communicating those things. It's no being engaged and involved in what's going on in your business. Number one and number two, then you know, feeding that back, communicating that to people, and recognizing that you know that they did something that was over and above, or something that they'd never done before. We talk a lot to, to our managers about getting out of your comfort zone, you know. And, so you know when I when I hear or see someone do something that I know is outside their normal comfort zone, you know, hey, that's a that that's a that's an accomplishment that needs to be recognized. So a lot of times it's just you can't even plan for it. It's just it has to be part of I guess maybe back to your question and and, and about a company culture that has to be part of the culture that you that you have an openness to look for those things and you know part of the culture says you can you feed that back to people you recognize people for that. Yeah, absolutely, and um, it's great that you guys have you know some sort of way for uh, self-directed for people to take those notes or whatever it may be. You know, in our yeah. company, we do it virtually in a in a chat room on HipChat, which is like Slack, 
Um, but you know, if you ha- as long as you have a place, you have a mechanism. That's really kind of one of the big steps that people just forget to have something in there. Yeah, and I'm, you know, we we haven't perfected it by any means, but you know, it, it, again, it's like anything else with a company culture. You simply just continue to reinforce it and reinforce it and reinforce it, and you know, it 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 sort of eventually gets into your bloodstream, right? Yeah, absolutely, and it and, and it's a fun thing. It's a good thing. So it's one of those kind of cool things that definitely gets in very quickly and right. um, people can really t- kind of take ownership of it. Well, I know you recently published a kind of a short note on LinkedIn that kind of was about a quote. Uh, the quote was, um, all rebellion begins in isolation. So you pointed out that, you know, if you're being if you kind of get to stray from your purpose, uh, you, know, you don't have any accountability, uh, you know, kind of yourself, Maybe you could kind of talk about it. the question you asked is, you know, who are you when no one is looking? And I, I've heard you know different variations of that. Um, sure. You know, what do you do if no one ever finds out, or if you would, how do you act if you're not going to get in trouble, things like that. But you could talk about how how does who you are when no one is looking impact you? Do you think as a leader? Absolutely. Well, you know, all accomplishment, all success, you know, all achievement, all of those things to me are driven by habit. I mean, we're human beings, you know, we're we're driven quite quite often by habit. I mean, I guess the best example is, you know, you get in your car, you drive home every every day the same way. You get in your car and you drive home and all you remember leaving your office and you and then you all of a sudden you're at home and you don't remember anything about it. You know, it's 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 habit driven. And this speaks to me. I mean, you know, all rebellion begins in isolation. So when you start to, you know, when it, it, when you're with other people, you know, when you're around a group of people, you know, you're, you're there's sort of guardrails there, right? I mean, there's there's a certain accepted behavior, and, and unless you're, you know, you're just off the rails, you're gonna you're gonna behave in a certain way. There, there's there's uh, again, there's guardrails. When you're by yourself, though, you don't have those guardrails. And to me, that's when a habit can be a bad habit can be formed or a good habit can be broken it's that time you know when you're in isolation when you're not accountable to anybody else or again as you said who who are you really when nobody else is looking that's the, those are the times i think that you know a leader can can let their guard down and say well you know i'll, I'll act this way i'll be a i'll be a, a manager or a good leader when i'm in that role but when I'm at home, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be off the clock, so to speak. And I'm not suggesting that we, you know, we have to work 24/7. But I'm just saying there's, there are, you know, it's dangerous to. Again, that quote says it all. It's, it's all rebellion begins in isolation. I mean, you, you can very easily stray from, you know, your, your character, your morals, your how, how you want to conduct yourself in the life that you want to live. Just a little bit at a time when you start to let your guard down, and it's easy to do when you know when you're not in in a group and you don't have those guardrails. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that we have been asking our our guests here this year, um, and this comes uh, from something I kind of saw Tim Ferriss do one of his books. Um, uh, it's kind of learning what sort of cool things or gadgets or apps and. Uh, that uh, other professionals like ourselves might be kind of playing around with or discovering. So, you know, is there an app or a gadget or something that you've added this year that maybe has really been helpful or useful to your work or your employees' work that you might share with us? Well, I, you know, I'm old school, so I, you know, for the most part, I, I mean, I, I like to, you know, I get chided here for, you know, printing emails out on paper. So I don't, I'm probably not maybe the best person to ask. I will say, though, that there is one app that I use 
uh, every day that uh, I found to be very, very helpful. I grew up with the, uh, and again, I'm, some people will be familiar with this, some people won't, but the uh, the old uh, Stephen Covey uh, uh, habits uh, uh, planner, you know, now it's the Franklin Covey planner. So again, people who are familiar with it will know what I'm, I'm talking about. People who won't will have to go look it up online. It's still it's still a, a, a you know an active tool that you can use paper paper and pencil planner. But I found an electronic version of that. It's called Opus One. Now it's only you can only use it on your Mac or on your your iOS your Apple devices. But I've never I have I have not found any planner, and I've used a bazillion electronic planners. I've never found one like this because it it gives you all of the essential elements of the Franklin Covey planner. So it's two pages per day. Uh, you've got your calendar in uh, in in this. There's one section for your that shows your calendar, everything you have to do that day that's in your calendar. It has an, a, a place next to that where you put all of your tasks. You can rank the tasks by uh, A, B, or C, and one, two, or three. Again, the people who know the Franklin Covey will, will recognize what I'm talking about. Then, you, then there's another page, another tab for master tasks. Now, these are tasks that don't have a specific due date, just things you're thinking about that you know you haven't yet blended into your into your system. So you've got that. Then on this on the on the right hand side of the page on this app, then you've got an open section called daily notes, and you can just type freeform in there. So you have a conversation with somebody, you want to remember it, you type it in there. You, it, it's always there. I mean, I could go back to, to my to this app and last month on Tuesday, let's say the third or whatever, and I know I had a conversation with so-and-so about something, and I can go back and reference that and see those notes and, and recall the conversation that we had. So I find that very interesting. Opus One, it's a, it's a, I think it's an outstanding tool. I wish they would, I wish they would roll it out in Windows, though, so a lot more people could use it. But it's a great app that, that I've found to be very helpful. Yeah, and um, so there's a lot of great things that come from Franklin Covey and, and those people that had day timers or day runners or whatever they had for a long time. And we've sort of evolved that into other things. But those core principles of your ABC, you know, your rocks, your, the sand and the and the stones, you know, sort of yep. being able to go back and really work on those things, the biggest, hardest things first, right? And not allowing yourself yeah. to work on the tiny things and feel like you had a busy day, but you didn't really get to the big things that were important. Right. So right. Um, I, I really like that. Um, and if, you know, we can take some of those lessons and modify it into an app, that's that's even better. So mm-hmm. well, what about books? Is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you tend to suggest people check out? Well, the way, yeah, I, I, uh, I do a lot of reading, but I will say that I don't, you know, I don't, I used to sit down, you know, Start at chapter one and go to the end, right? And you read every single word in between. I've read so many books now, I kind of have a system. So I kind of flip through and find what I, you know, the nuggets and, and pull those nuggets out. So I've got a lot of different books that, that I have in various stages. And I, the other thing is, I mean, uh, you know, people who read a lot will, will, will understand what I'm going to say here. But, you know, you're, sometimes you feel like reading, uh, well, sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't, right? Sometimes you feel like reading a fiction book. Sometimes you want to read nonfiction. Sometimes you want to read a management book. Sometimes you want to, you know, I mean, it just, you, you have different, kind of different tastes on certain days to read certain things. The book that I'm really interested in that I've, that I've been tearing apart and going to more than anything else is a book called The Five-Second Rule, and it's written by Mel Robbins. Now, Mel Robbins is, you'll find her all over the Internet. I mean, she's a TED Talk speaker and, and, and does a lot of public speaking and, and speaking in private uh, events for corporations. But uh, I find this, this book very interesting. Essentially, The Five-Second Rule is just that. It's, 
the 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 idea is that when when you if you're if you in, have an intuition that you need to do something right you need to call somebody or you need to say something or you need to act that if you if you don't count down from five four three two one and do it that quite often you know your 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 that little voice on your shoulder will talk you out of it, right? We'll, we'll give you a thousand reasons why, well, I'll put it off till tomorrow, or I really don't need to do that, or I'll wait till they call me, or it probably isn't that important. So I find that book very interesting, and I think that's a tool that, that you know, just about anybody could use. It's very simple and easy to understand, and, you know, I have to admit there's been times since I've started reading this where I've had to stand up and say, I'm going to count to five, and by the time I get to one, <laughs> you're going to do this, and it works. Right, Absolutely. And I, I really like that idea. Um, of course, when you said five-second rule, I was thinking about dropping gum on the ground or something. But um, oh, yeah, there yeah. is that one too, right? Yeah, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. It does get confused with that one, though. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you've you've mentioned a lot of great things today, and you know, if somebody was sort of maybe only only heard one thing, what, what's the one thing you hope that they might remember from our conversation today? I think the one thing would be this, you know, I, we, as, I, as I started out at the beginning of this, of this conversation, you know, I, I started in this business in, in 1987, 31 years ago, knew nothing about it. I mean, I, you know, was very young and, and didn't know a whole lot about anything, didn't know how business worked or how you made an acquisition or how you made a payroll or, but it just did it. You know, I just, just, you, you, what's the saying? You feel the fear and you do it anyway, right? I mean, that's, that's how you grow and that's how you, that's how you uh, move from, you know, point A to point B, and whatever it is that you're doing, it, it, it's, that seems to be applicable. So that would be the, the takeaway that I hope people would get is, you know, I was able to do this just following the path and, you know, not not, not looking in the rearview mirror, looking forward and feeling the fear, swallowing, taking a deep breath, and, and then taking the next step, you know, stepping outside of that comfort zone and doing what, when you, when you feel uncomfortable, you know you're, you're about to accomplish something that is very important that you'll be able to to use in in the future, so that would be that's my story. Is you know starting out knowing nothing. As I said, I still don't know it all, but I, I can say I know a lot more than I knew when I started. Um, I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. Before, I just didn't even know what I didn't know. So um, uh, that that would be the takeaway. I think is just do it anyway. Do it. Do it. Count to count from five to one and do it. Well, awesome. How can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about the People League group? Maybe they want to uh, engage with you. Maybe they want to come work for you, whatever it may be. What's the best way for them to find out more? Sure. Okay. Well, our website is the, uh, is peoplelinkgroup.com. So peoplelinkgroup.com. Uh, they can access our website, and then that shows all the various uh, uh, types of staffing that we do. They certainly can, can reach out to me directly um, on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and look me up there. Uh, you know, th those would probably be the best two ways to reach me. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. So <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. As I said, I'm, I'm a little bit old school. But but I use. I do use LinkedIn, and I have. I have a, a, a page there, and, and my profile's there, and would welcome anybody that would. And they can. They can email me through. Uh, through LinkedIn. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today and providing well, us some great insight me. and. Be willing to kind of extend it a little bit longer here since uh, we, we decided just to go with one guest today. So uh, thank you so much for being part of the show. Great. Thank you for having me. Good luck. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Hopefully you gained something uh, that you can use in your own career. Uh, maybe it's the five-second rule. Maybe it's something else. But uh, hopefully you learned something. Next week, my guest will include Ian uh, Ziskin. Hopefully I've said that correctly, the president of the uh, – Exec Excel Group and Francesca 
uh, Gino, the Tandem Family Professors of Business Administration from the Harvard Business School. Uh, I look forward to a great show uh, next week, and hopefully you'll join us. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 